Well, good afternoon and welcome to Let's Talk, the pastor's in. I'm program host Kip Allen. Let's Talk's the program for the Christian layman. That's the person who believes but may have some few questions. And you know, the program's designed really just for me because, you know, there's a lot I simply do not understand. Not necessarily something soul-shaking, it might just be something that's been on my mind for a while. Now, rather than getting into a deep theological discussion, a casual front porch-style talk with the pastor is often the best way to understanding. That's what this program is all about. Today's guest is Pastor Andrew Preuss of St. Paul and Trinity Lutheran Churches in Iowa. I have my questions, and I'm sure you have yours. So you can send your questions by email at any time to let's talk at kfuo.org, or you can call in during the program at 314-821-0850 if you're in the St. Louis area, and that includes Metro East, or anywhere in North America, toll-free at 1-800-730-2727. Pastor Preuss, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me again. Well, uh, actually, originally I had your brother scheduled, but I gather he has a sick child. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, he's he's got a lot of them, so I'm sure that <laughs> one of them is sick. So, well, you know, we're all the, we prices are all the same anyway, so. Yeah, that's what I've heard. No, I won't say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the Preuss name is one I've been, uh, I, I, being a Lutheran all my life, that's a name I've certainly been heard a lot. So. Yeah. So. And that's that's you know and and actually this this has a good lesson because it shows the importance of family because here you know my original my original guest had a sick child so naturally the child has got to come first and who does he ask to take his place another family member yeah that's it well I was probably most expedient so he just sent me a text and and uh, asked me and I said okay I got nothing else going on today so <laughs> although I was I was uh um I was actually right before uh the show started just kind of this afternoon uh well late morning into this afternoon I've been reading this book um in preparation for some research I'm doing it's on the vicarious atonement the the atonement the the Christ made satisfaction for our sins and written by uh a Missouri Synod layman who is a very good theologian, uh, Jack Kilcrease. So it's uh, it's been it's been really fun reading it, and uh, but now it'll be fun to talk to you. So. Oh, well, thank you. I'm flattered. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I want to talk about this this is something that actually happened to me very recently. I'm re- I'm relatively active on Facebook, mm-hmm. and I recently posted something that said, "I have given God a million reasons not to love me." None of them have changed his mind, mm-hmm. which I think is a wonderful sentiment. Any Christian can relate to that. Mm-hmm. Of course, I happen to have a relative who is an atheist, and she commented on my post, how do you know? And you know, that's a really good question. How do we tell an atheist that we know this? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I when I got your email, um, I... Uh, I went on your Facebook page and checked that out, mm-hmm. and I saw how you responded, and I thought it was an excellent response. It's uh, and it takes a lot of wisdom. To, it depends on, I think it, it depends on who you're talking to. But you know, there is. But what you said was true. You said you would not, you would not understand. Your nothing would satisfy. No answer would satisfy you, and that that's really that's really the point. Is that 
because, you know, especially when you consider the law and the gospel, well, the law gives us warnings not to test God, right? So we're not, we are not to uh, um, sin so that grace may abound. Um, and, and this is something that, so of course, to, to, as a warning, we're, we're going to say, well, don't, don't think that you can just keep sinning and God's going to just always be there like this kind of, you know, uh, you know, like this kind of passive God who's just sort of, you know, letting you walk all over him. No, repentance repentance is is vital to this process. Exactly. And so, but then at the same time, to a broken sinner who is truly broken, and and what I mean is contrite, as as you point out, um, who is, you know, broken and contrite spirit, well, then absolutely what you said is, you know, that's the gospel, right? That, That is that God um, has wiped away all of your sin. And, and so, but see, to someone who does not know God, who does not know God through Jesus Christ, um, this distinction between law and gospel is going to be very foreign. And it's going to, so, so and, they're, and they're really they're only going to be able to think according to human reason, and therefore, in some form of the law, although it's, inevitably going to be corrupted by kind of sin. So I thought that your response was good because you can't reason someone into understanding what you said. Only, really only a Christian who knows Christ can truly understand, you know, who, and who struggles with his sin can truly understand what you said. Yeah, as I recall, my exact words were, uh, there's no explanation I can give you that you would accept. All I can say is that I know it. Yeah, sure, sure. And uh, and I mean, and that's not to say that there isn't a place to talk with atheists. I mean, there certainly is. Um, but at the same time, it's not like every atheist is exactly the same. I mean, if someone, some atheists just kind of go by that label because they don't really, they're basically just, they don't have any official religious conviction, even though everyone really does have some sort of religious conviction one way or another. Um, and then that's, so, so I think you, you can have a conversation with some, with, 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 with a lot of people who are not Christians. I mean, otherwise, how would people come to faith? But ultimately it really comes down to, well, what is the law and what is the gospel? And what you are saying there is not something that if someone is not contrite, then that's like you know. Then th- th- that's then that's uh, uh, really like a foolish thing to hear, right? You know, it, it doesn't make any sense. But if someone is contrite and knows knows that uh, you know that his sins are 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 very heavy, um, and then hears, yeah, so none of my sins, uh, none of my sins turned God away, and that's something that really can only be that can only be true through the purity of Christ. And, and that's why, so, so it's certainly true. Like you, you point out with the repentance, um, we, with the, you know, we, we still warn, we warn ourselves, warn one another, uh, because the old Adam is still there. But again, I mean, those concepts and atheists really can't, can't grasp it because he's thinking with kind of this supremacy of human reason and he can't humble himself to the word of God. Yeah, it's 
it's rationality, I think, carried mm-hmm. to extremes. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, we could, you know, what do you mean rationality is wrong? Well, there are, it's not rational, for example, to look at the horizon and say the world is round. Mm-hmm. It's not rational to say that your disease is caused by virus or germs because you can't see them. It's not reasonable to say mental illness somehow exists because we don't know why. There's a lot of things we just simply don't know and never will know. And it's it's not... <laughs> I'm going to contradict myself here. You know, it's not rational to simply say because I can't explain it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Uh, go back in in time. We don't have to go back that far, really. I mean, for example, disease. Before Leeuwenhoek invented the uh, microscope in the 1600s, I believe, we didn't know these little things like microbes existed. And we still didn't know what the heck that they did to people until... Some real visionaries like Pasteur and uh, and Lister said, you know, there's a connection between them and disease. Was that rational? Well, a lot of the rational people at that time did not believe it and dismissed it. Yeah. No, it's, uh, boy, that is a deep discussion <laughs> on, uh, really, I mean, because that, that, all of that, the, the, the emergence of, of, uh, natural science and and all that really was was a part of the enlightenment which of course you know god works good through evil but we should also be wise about what's evil <laughs> and uh, i think that the evil that came about there's sort of baggage that came about in these great advancements and discoveries and the baggage is uh to then rely on our understanding um more and more because we get to peer into how things work. You know, I mean, if I, if I show you, if I, if I take you through a, a you know, a course, I mean, I'm not going to do that because I don't know anything about it, but, but if, if you sit there and you, you talk to a mechanic and he takes you through, he, he shows you through an engine, you know, how a car, how a car works and he, and you pay close attention and you take a test on it. Right. Uh, are you, you know, are you going to be able to build an engine? Well, maybe not. Probably not. Actually, you probably have have to work with your hands a little bit more and really get more experience. And then even, you know, go even further. Are you going to be able to know all the ins and outs of what, why this type of oil works and you know this type of gas works and all of the, you know, and that, and that's the thing. Like, when, you know, the more you you. You, you dig deeper and deeper, the more you realize that you don't know. And really, that's, that's what should happen when you learn stuff. But tragically, what has happened to the West in the last, oh, probably 300 years or so, is that the, most, the more that we have learned and discovered, the more arrogant we have become in thinking that because we know uh, we have a little bit of an insight into how something works, that therefore... We, we, we don't need God as much. Right? <laughs> I, I hear that. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, I can say, uh, uh, for example, like like with computers, uh, I love computers. I love playing with them. And mm-hmm. as I like to say, is I know just enough about them to really, really mess them up. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so, so 
which I have done, unfortunately, in the past. I've ruined more than one computer because I thought I knew more than I actually did. Mm. Uh, but, you know, again, what is rational? Look at what we're doing right now. You're in Iowa. I'm in St. Louis. Our listeners are all over simply because I pressed a button here on my control panel. Yeah. Is that reasonable? Well, is that rational? Well, I mean, it, it is because, uh, I mean, it, maybe not to you and me because we, we don't know how, how it all works. Um, <laughs> but someone can explain it. Someone could explain it to us. I mean, if you wanted to figure out how that's possible, you could go and you could figure it out. You know, and I think that there, there is the difference then between um, faith and reason. Faith cannot. It, and I, okay, so while it is, and this is getting a little, little deep, but you, you brought us into this, so, so I'll blame it on you. Um, Guilty. So the, the, so the, but the, there certainly is a, a reason or logic within, within God's mysteries, within what God reveals, right? And 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 so it's you know it's not like it's just chaos. Right, there's an order within it. Maybe that's a better word to use, but you can use the word logic if you understand it correctly. But it does not follow then that our human reason, as we know it, that there that there is just because we're able to figure some outward things out, is is linked some way to the mysteries of the faith. Um, especially since our human reason, the problem with it isn't merely that it is uh, not that it doesn't know enough. Um, the problem with it is that it's evil, that it's hostile to God. And I think that that's, that's the main thing then to understand, that when you are talking to an unbeliever, yes, you can reason with him um, with lots of things, right? You can talk about morality, the law. You can talk about creation. You can talk about kind of outward evidence. But understand that at the end of the day, the mystery of knowing God as the creator, the redeemer, and the you know the one who calls us to faith and keeps us in the faith and makes us holy, this is a mystery. This is a great mystery that it's not merely a matter of like this uh, great ditch between reason and faith that we have to then, if only we can just kind of build a bridge, um, uh, the, the, you know, then, then we can make it there. Um, no, there is... Uh, there is a uh, hostility between the human mind and the mind of Christ. And so that, so it's, so like I hear what you're saying about, you know, Hey, there are lots of mysteries that we don't know, like, you know, how telephones work or how computers work and stuff like that. And that's a good analogy, I think, to, to kind of getting a simple understanding of the great mysteries of the faith. But at the same time, you can call up a tech guy, Right, and he can explain to you how, how uh, a cell phone works, but it's probably going to go over your head and my head too, and our our eyes will gloss over and be like, "Oh, wow, okay." Um, <laughs> but at least I know that this guy knows how it works. So that's that's what so that that's what uh you know. So we're and so I think to your point, you know, we're already in awe of things that actually aren't mystery. Because there are guys out there, and maybe they're like super nerds, but they're still mortal, who can explain this stuff. Um, but the mysteries of the faith are, and that's not to say that they are irrational in the way that they're just chaotic. 
No, there is once you know the faith, then God does allow you to be able to understand it, give you understanding, and you won't fully understand it until you're in heaven, obviously, but but he's still there is still a certain kind of logic or order to for example, Jesus was born of a virgin, which means that he's not born of the seed of man, and therefore he's God, right? So there's a logic in there. You know, so you can have a reason with it. You can, it's not like you're, God does want us to think. But our ability to figure things out as if, you know, is not what allows us to believe the gospel. You know, do you, you know what I mean there? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So I, I think that you make a good analogy there. But, to, but, but then to even just like, take off from there, like launch from, from your point that, hey, not only are there things that we don't understand that are ordinary things that are, you know, would have been looked at as magic 500 years ago or even three, 200 years ago, but we can find someone who can explain it to us. But we can't do that with the mysteries of the faith. I remember uh, when I first started in radio, uh, our Back in those days, every station had a, a chief engineer who was really in their own world. We used to, to <laughs> broadcast engineers are braided into themselves, trust me. Uh, but I remember um, he was trying to, I, I think I asked him how something worked. And he replied to me with dead seriousness, magic. You don't have to know, you would understand, it's magic. You just have to accept it and work with it. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I, I remember seeing this uh I suppose it's a, it's called a meme, um, where they are a picture, you know, the picture of an airplane. They would say how an airplane works. And it's just like pointing to all the different parts of the airplane. And it just says magic, 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 magic. <laughs> right. So, which I mean, really is, um, you know, he's, he's, he's being maybe a little bit, uh, sarcastic, but at the same time, he's right. It is magic. You don't know because you can't figure it out. You know, it's it is something that is because uh, even magic has a certain element of of uh, uh, there's a certain link between human reason and magic. That's why you're able to have magicians. Right? And this is the difference between a magician or like some divinizer, you know, who goes and just kind of does a, a potion and is able to then find things out like Laban does with Jacob, right? Where he practices divination. There's a link to between the human reason and these things that we're able to figure out, whether they're perfectly harmless things like, you know, figuring out how a phone, how a phone works, or they're wicked things like figuring out how to, um, you know, play God. Right. And, 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 and this is, so, so this divination has always existed. This, ma- ma- this magic really has. And the magic has never, it's always been a certain materialistic way of working, right? You, you would have, so you look at like the magi, right? That the magi were, they were the wise men. They were the ones who would look at the natural, natural science and stuff like that, which obviously in and of itself is not wrong. But if you're using it in a way to bring about, to, to play God or to, to, to exalt yourself above God, then it really is that kind of sorcery that the Bible condemns. And, and, and this, because, uh, you know, it's interesting, the Bible condemns 
sorcery. And the word that it uses, the, the, the Greek word, which, which you would, I'm sure you'll recognize, is pharmakeia. Oh, let's where we get the word pharmacy. Pharmacy. Like, or medicine. Well, obviously, we're not going to say that, you know, I got a member who's a retired pharmacist. He's a very good, pious Lutheran man, good Christian man. Um, I would never call him a sorcerer, right? <laughs> but at the, at the same time, if you consider uh, how, if you misuse medicine, or if you use medicine in such a way that is uh, trying to play God, or think of yourself as the one in control rather than God being the one who gives and takes away, then that subtly turns into a kind of sorcery. So I don't think that the, the, the concept of magic is really, you know, we think of magic, we think of like, um, you know, the, the wizards and uh, fairy tales and, you know, pixie dust and stuff like that. Um, but really magic, it's always been around. And the understanding of magic is, 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 uh, is that you use material things in order to manipulate something for your own self-interest. I mean, that's, and, and I think that, so, so it's, you know, while I, uh, understand, you know, we, we can, we, we laugh at, we kind of laugh at the, at the joke of like, oh yeah, you know, an airplane is made by magic or, you know, a computer is just magic. There is, there can be a truth to it if you understand it, you know, especially the history of what magic is. It's just, you know, it's using your knowledge, using your knowledge of things to bring things about, which can be a wonderful thing, as long as you acknowledge that it is a gift of God. Well, and I remember God is the one doing it. I, I read someplace, uh, uh, gosh, an author, and I'm trying to remember which one it was, came up with the saying that. A sufficiently technologically advanced thing is indistinguishable from magic. Yeah, and you know, and I think what he was talking about was uh, take a uh, a primitive tribesman someplace who's never seen an airplane, who has never seen or heard a radio or TV. First time they run into it, ooh, magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. No, and and that's his. Uh... This is why I don't, you know, we kind of, we, we obviously do live in an, in an advanced age if we're talking about technology. <clears throat> um, but human reason has always been the same. And, uh, and you know, I would, and I would say that, especially when you read the scriptures in uh, Genesis uh, chapter 4, where it goes through these amazing accomplishments of Cain's descendants. I mean, they're, they're figuring stuff out pretty quickly. And um, they're not primitive cavemen. So, I mean, did they have airplanes? I, I don't know. Um, probably not. But, um, but who knows? Maybe they did figure out a way to fly. Um, who knows? We don't really know. There's no way for us to know. But, you know, the... the, the if you look at what is evil about the, the carnal human reason and what's evil about then sorcery as the scriptures condemn it, it is, it is using those earthly things to bring about things that are impressive, but as a way to, to supersede God. 
And, you know, like Paul says, to the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are not pure, then nothing's pure, right? So so this is kind of gets back full circle then, you know, to, to, to the question about your relative who's an atheist. Your, you know, you can make arguments about uh, God's existence, um, and you can do it with a pure heart, uh, you know, pointing to whatever evidence and stuff like that. But it's the heart that's hearing that is not contrite and has not been humbled under the mighty hand of God and is still haughty, well then, you know, any knowledge is just going to puff them up. I wonder if perhaps a true atheist in rejecting the very concept of God is perhaps not doing, as you intimated earlier, putting themselves above God. Absolutely. Well, the fool says in his heart there is no God. But yet there has to be a God. So who's your God? Right. Well, yeah. I guess it's yourself then. Yeah. Okay, well, we're going to take a little break here, but we got a lot more to talk about. And uh, I want to get a little bit further into talking to atheists because uh, something came up not too long ago that I think uh, has may, may, may have some answers. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it when we come back from these messages. the day which the Lord has made. For the lonely and homebound, for the grieving and dying, and for all those who are afflicted in body, mind, and spirit, especially for me. Join us for a live broadcast of Chapel at the LCMS International Center weekdays at 10 a.m. on KFUO. Are you looking for a school that offers a Christ-centered education with an excellent academic record? St. Paul's Lutheran School in De Pere is focused on the future of their students. Not only are they building a brand new building, but they're building Christian leaders, athletes, scholars, and servants who will make a difference in their communities. Come be a part of St. Paul's family. To schedule a tour, call 314-822-2771 or visit them online at splutheranschool.org. I'm Gary Duncan, the General Manager of Worldwide KFUO. We promote our various programs. We ask you to listen to your favorite show. We ask you to support our broadcast ministry, and we thank you for that support. But maybe we don't ask you to pray for us as much as we should. Please pray for the staff, management, radio hosts, and volunteers here at Worldwide KFUO. Pray that the message of salvation through Christ is heard clearly by listeners around the world. Pray that we continue to reach into those areas that are hostile to the Word of God. Pray that KFUO continues to reach those people desperately needing to hear the good news message. And pray that God continues to bless us financially through the gifts we need to continue our broadcast ministry. Thank you for listening, supporting, and praying for Worldwide KFUO. You truly are appreciated. We are the messenger of good news. AM850 in St. Louis, worldwide at KFUO.org. Beware the Ides of March. 
The famous quote from William Shakespeare's Julius Caesar, warning him to be careful on this day, to beware the Ides of March. William Shakespeare, one of the most prolific writers in the English language, studied by writers and actors over the years as the greatest playwright of all time. But did you know, in all of Shakespeare's works, it's estimated there are over 1,200 biblical references. Unquestionably, Shakespeare displays a significant understanding of biblical literature, especially from the book of Psalms, Genesis, Matthew, and Job. Harvard professor Robert Kiley said, if a student doesn't know any Bible literature, he or she will simply not understand whole elements of Shakespeare, Sidney, Spencer, Milton, and Wadsworth. One could go on and on. Engage with the Bible, this book of all books. Brought to you by Museum of the Bible. Well, welcome back to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. I'm program host Kip Allen. My guest pastor today is Pastor Andrew Preuss. Here's what we're talking about. I posted on Facebook not too long ago a message that said, I have given God a million reasons not to love me. None of them's changed his mind. And then a relative of mine who happens to be an atheist commented on it, how do you know? And we're discussing how do we know, how can we tell the atheist that we do know? Well, Pastor, there's, I wanted to bring up uh, a name here. Have you heard the name of, uh, let me think here, of Lee Strobel? Lee Strobel? Yeah. That kind of rings a bell, but you'll have to remind me. <laughs> okay. Well, there is a book and a movie about him. Lee Strobel was an investigative reporter, and uh, he was an avowed atheist. His wife was a lukewarm Christian. Okay. Well, one day uh, they were uh, at lunch, or dinner, and their little child started to started to choke. And uh, the lady who was sitting at the table next to him happened to be a nurse who knew Heimlich and literally saved the child's life. And the mother decided that this was a miracle, that God had placed that woman right there for them. And this led to a bit of a uh, stress between Strobel and his wife. Mm-hmm. So he decided, he, as I said, he was an investigative reporter who had won several awards for his, for his work. And he said, I'll tell you what, I will do an investigative journey to see, to prove to you that Jesus didn't exist, and if he did, that the miracles weren't ha- or didn't happen. And the wife agreed to it. Well, guess what? <laughs> Strobel became convinced that not only did Jesus exist, but indeed he was the Son of God and indeed performed all the miracles. And he did it through reason. Interesting. I think I may... Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. So there is that, you know, the question of, uh, okay, well, what? where is the role in apologetics? And even in, 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 in using in a tool to bring someone to Christ, um, apologetics is the law. It's in the realm of the law. And the law has to do with things that are true, um, whether you like it or not. Uh, and so, really, I think what happened with him, and I do recall this. I recall um, uh, reading about this guy. Um, and uh, what, what happens here is, uh, is that you're brought to repentance by the, by the, uh, the evidence. And the greatest evidence is, is uh, that the scriptures are fulfilled, and the scriptures, you know, uh, they they fulfill themselves, 
and uh, and yet you also see, I mean, there's so many so many things like, uh, for example, even in the Talmud, uh, where's the the rabbinical writings where they are slandering Jesus, um, which is by the way, last week that's one of the reasons why Luther was so upset with the Jews because he read the Talmud. And if you read the Talmud, boy, you could understand. Um, the just horrible things they would say about Jesus. But what's interesting about some of the things they'd say about him is that they could not even, in, these are his biggest enemies, he, uh, they, they couldn't deny that he had powers. He had s- supernatural powers. If you look at the, even his enemies can't deny it. Well, okay, so Caiaphas and, you know, and, and the other, the other, uh, members of the Sanhedrin, they knew that Jesus could perform miracles, and yet they didn't believe. They didn't trust in him. They knew that he rose from the dead, and yet they went out of their way to try to cover it up. You know, why? That's, well, because they, because they weren't convinced uh, to—they they, they were not driven to true repentance. This is the thing about the law, and it's the same thing about evidence. The law either— does one of two things. It either makes you mad or it makes you contrite. And, uh, and, and that anger can, maybe, maybe it comes first. Um, and it's all rooted in a kind of fear of being punished or a fear of being wrong. But true repentance and the true purpose of the law is to lead you to Christ and lead you to the gospel. And so if we just understand apologetics, the, the, the investigation of evidence as in the realm of the law, well, it's the same kind of thing. You know, people can be convinced, yeah, okay, yeah, this is true, but then they just, it just makes them hate them even more. Um, or for others, it makes them fear and fall down and, you know, say, have mercy, you know, and then they hear the gospel and they, they believe it. Well, right? I think so, the, so, well, the Sanhedrin had, uh, had some, we have to recall that uh, Judea, uh, that entire region, was occupied and was a vassal state of the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. And essentially, the uh, whether it was Herod or whether it was the Sanhedrin, they were basically collaborationists. Mm-hmm. They were working with the Romans, trying to keep order. Now, if they assume that Jesus is whom he says he is, first of all, it means that their power is gone. Yeah, yeah. And if they know he, he is who he, who they say is, they want to cover that one up big time. And yep. and there may have been a legitimate fear that uh, that if Jesus was widely accepted by the by the populace, that they'd rise up against the Romans and start a revolution that they couldn't win. That would, of course yeah. would be catastrophic for the uh, for the uh, collaborationists. Yeah. Well, and that's that's a good point to bring out too, because it just shows that they're not even considering, they're not even concerned, really, about about standing before the presence of God. They're concerned simply about worldly glory, and especially, I mean, the Sanhedrin was made up of, uh, you know, the priesthood was largely made up of Sadducees, which were sort of, um, um, I call them high church liberals. Right, you know, and and I don't know how familiar you are with the kind of taxonomies among Lutherans and maybe specifically Missouri Synod, but just kind of overall Lutherans. Uh, you got the, you have the, uh, um, 
the, the, the conservative, I mean, this is where I come from. Uh, my dad never wore a collar until recently. My grandpa never wore a collar, but they were conservative, right? So there was like kind of a, you know, liturgical, but not really high in the ceremonies and stuff like that, but conservative. But then what you had in the 70s, these liberals coming out of the, you know, or moderates as they would call themselves, you know, uh, coming out of a St. Louis seminary and like walking out and stuff like that. These guys were super high church. They were really into liturgy and stuff like that. And so, and ceremonies and, and especially because a lot of them wanted to kind of be, they, they were involved in the kind of liturgical movement, which is also sort of the, um, ecumenical movement and an attempt to sort of mend differences among denominations, specifically with the Roman Catholics. And so it's kind of, it's, it's kind of an interesting thing how history repeats itself because these very guys would also, not all of them, they would kind of vary in their in their radical beliefs. But some of these guys would deny the resurrection as historical. They deny the virgin birth. They would say that homosexuality is perfectly okay and abortion's okay, um, which makes you not a Christian, right? <laughs> and that's kind of how the Sadducees were like, that the Sadducees were concerned with just kind of being keeping their worldly status, which is really what modern ecumenism is, you know, this ecumenical movement, it's kind of keeping this sort of ecclesiastical status in the world, in the culture. So we're going to have an appreciation for kind of really high ceremonial things, which, you know, I can appreciate that sometimes. But but the, but at the, at the end of the day, you crack open the shell and there's nothing in there and it's all just worldliness. And that's really what the the Sadducees were like, they were like the, they were like high church liberals who denied, because what, one of the things that they denied were all of the prophetic books. Um, they only accepted the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible and they denied the resurrection. And so if, if you recall, uh, I think it's Matthew 22 where Jesus is arguing with the Sadducees and he says, he says, uh, uh, you know, they don't believe in the resurrection. They don't believe that there's an afterlife. Yeah, that was um, what I was going to raise was that the Sadducees completely denied the concept of an afterlife. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so they're just they're basically just purely worldly people who are using religion as sort of like this kind of because they're they're very conservative as far as uh, temple regulations go, at least for their own status quo. So they're very you know we could say kind of high church or you know ceremonial, right? And yet they don't believe anything. <laughs> they're just, they're what we would see, understand today as just kind of mainline liberals. They're just kind of social justice liberals. And, and so this is the kind of, these are kind of the people that Jesus is dealing with. But at the same time, the Pharisees are conservative. The Pharisees are conservative and, and they do believe that there's an, that there is an afterlife. They do believe that there's a resurrection. And so, but so, so this is what is so, um, remarkable then, and there's nothing new under the sun, how the Pharisees and Sadducees work together um, to, uh, um, you know, to, to conspire against Jesus. And just to kind of get back to your, your overall point about, you know, this guy who is convinced of, of the, the truth of Christianity through investigation, what happened through his investigation is that he was brought to repentance. Because I'll tell you what, these Pharisees knew the truth. They knew what the scriptures said. Um, they knew there was a resurrection, and yet they crucified the uh, they crucified the, uh, the the Lord of Glory, 
and uh and 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 this was this was uh uh this this is this is a warning to all of us that yes apologetics is very useful um just like the law is useful but to do two things one to bring someone to repentance and show them that you're not in control you don't know everything you you arrogant you know what repent you know and then the other side for a christian to affirm what he is already grounded in. So it's useful for a Christian to read a book about evidence for the resurrection so that he can, you know, have those tools to be able to respond to people who are, who are trying to, uh, you know, discredit uh, the historical uh, foundation of the scriptures. And that's not that. And, but, but, that practice of arguing in that way, of investigating, of, 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 of you know, what we call in apologetics, defending these kind of historical um, things about the scriptures, it really, it is essentially a function of the law, and it is, it is a function of tearing things down, tearing down their false claims and showing that they are without excuse and therefore should repent. So I think that's what happened to this particular individual that you're referring to. I think you may be right on that. Um, and But what he did that I find fascinating, in fact, I'm probably going to recommend this movie or book to the uh, my relative, is that he used reason to come up with the, the belief that Jesus was indeed who he said he was. Mm-hmm. And yet, and yet, it, it I mean, it was... Uh, it was evidence, because at the at the end of the day, reason still. And I think this is really important in understanding, both when we reflect on ourselves and when we reflect on unbelievers, is that human reason is more than just the ability to figure things out. I mean, yeah. So when we talk about reason, it's just merely the ability to think, the capacity to think. And, and you know, like in in the small catechism, God is you know that that, that I believe that that God has created me. And all creatures he has given me, my body, soul, eyes, ears, my reason and all my senses, and still preserves them, right? He gives us reason, um, that is the ability to think. And yet, once we think that our ability to figure something out is how we are coming to faith, then we've gone down the wrong track. So a, a good way to understand this is that he goes through a journey of research. He's using his mind. But what's happening is that he's being overwhelmed by the evidence. And he's being, he's being brought low. He's being humbled. And I think that's the main real, to get to the, to, to the heart of what's going on. Because um, we don't, you know, obviously we don't want to say that, well, evidence doesn't matter. No, it does matter. Uh, Paul says that if Jesus did not rise from the dead, then our faith is futile. We are to be we are to be pitied above all people, but so so. But but to get to the essence of what's really going on, this man, thank God, was humbled. He was brought to nothing through his striving to see to prove God wrong. God worked through the testimony of what's true to bring him to repentance. But the true gospel promise that. And this gets back to how do you know? Well, how do you know that that God 
that God has not uh, counted your sins against you? Well, because because he raised Jesus from the dead, because he sent Jesus to die for you, and he raised him, and he raised him from the dead, and 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 there is your gospel right there. But all the other evidence and stuff, well, incredibly important. <clears throat> really, if without faith and without the promise of the gospel, serves a very important role. But nevertheless, it's not a role in necessarily giving faith, but a role in in um, destroying your unbelief, right? Bringing a hammer to your unbelief and saying, "You are without excuse, old man. Who are you? Were you there when I created the heavens and the earth?" Right? And so that it's more of a call to repentance, um, which again goes hand in hand with a preaching of the gospel. Well, one thing in terms of uh, of reason, and when you talk about that about proof, and of course St. Paul had mentioned it, uh, mm-hmm. is the concept, uh, or rather the science, I will say, of biblical archaeology. Uh, mm-hmm. That was one of the things that uh, atheists and agnostics were saying was, well, you know, there's really no evidence that any of this happened. Well, guess what? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> there's yeah. a lot of evidence that is turning up. I mean, a hard core evidence, everything from the, uh, like, who is Pontius Pilate? We don't even know there was a Pontius Pilate. Well, yeah, we do. We found a yeah. uh, a tablet that had his mm-hmm. name on it and, and described his position. Uh, we found a seal from uh, Hezekiah. We found uh, uh, a first century uh, copy of uh, Book of Mark. Yeah. I mean, this is incredible yeah. stuff. No, that's right. And and that's where we... we we should not avoid engaging in apologetics as long as we understand what what its use is, right? It's not that we're trying to rationalize people into believing the gospel, because you can't do that. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. But at the same time, we should be uh, on guard against the lies of the devil, because this is the, okay, sure, they might say this kind of stuff in ignorance when they say there's no evidence. But really, to get to the core of what what it is, it's a lie. To say that there's no evidence for the the, the claims of the Bible um, is simply false. I mean, like you you pointed out a, a few of a few examples. Um, you know, you have uh, I was telling I think I was telling you uh, maybe a few months ago, or maybe I don't know a, a while back when I was on your program, and we were talking about apologetics and. I mentioned the uh, the evidence of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, and how they have you know the archaeologists have found you know sulfur there, and it's pure sulfur than even in the you know uh, in 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 the sulfur fields and or the geyser fields in uh, in in like New Zealand, which <laughs> is I mean it's just incredible. So yeah, I mean you have this outward evidence that. Uh, that confirms for us who already believe. But for those who don't believe, it either is going to do one of two things. It's going to make them mad and just drive them even more into being deceived by their sin, which is what the law does, right? The the, the law increased sin, so then I, deceived, it was de- I was deceived by sin. Um, and that's really a judgment of God. He holds you in derision for refusing to listen to him. Or the law brings you to repentance and, and shows you your need for salvation. Um, so... So these, you know, it's sort of like um, if someone were to come to you and say, "Well, you know, you, you know, you have this wonderful father who treats you well," and someone comes to you, up to you and says, "Your father's a rotten guy," 
you know, he did this, 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 and this, and brings all these false accusations against your father. But you know already that your father is is a good man. He's a good father, right? And so it's not like you believing that your father is a good father is is you're like you can't believe that until you first go out and make sure that all of these claims about him are not actually true. No, it's rather you're going to go out and defend them and see and show that these are not true because you love him. Right. And so I think that that's the point about apologetics. Apologetics is responding to lies about our father in heaven. And we're, it's not the, it's not like we're not going to love him until we vindicate him from these lies. No, we're, we're going to seek to, 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 to show that these lies are lies <laughs> precisely because we love our father. And the proof is there. It, it, it's it's relatively. Uh, I'm uh, I was tempted to say it's relatively easy to prove. Well, it's not, unfortunately. Uh, otherwise, we wouldn't have non Christians. That's right. Uh, it's interesting to me that uh, even uh, you know Jews recognize that Jesus existed. Even the Muslims do. And more than that, the Muslims attribute many many miracles to Jesus. Yeah. So. Which is why you have so many Muslims coming to faith. Um, they, uh, you know, it's, it, they, because they have a high view of Jesus, even though it's not the right view. In worldly standards, they have a high view of them. And there are many cases of Muslims who are led to read the New Testament because they have this admiration for Jesus. And then they come to faith in Christ. And then many of them get persecuted for that, you know, for, for um, apostatizing from really it's more being converted to the true faith. Um, so yeah, it, it really, and it's all just a testimony to the preeminence of Christ, um, of, of, of God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I mean, it's just, we have such a wonderful God who even will work his truth when it's being denied. You know, it's like Paul says in Romans that, that, uh, that, that, that man rejecting God, um, simply demonstrates the righteousness of God. God proves himself righteous even when man is, is, is mocking and denying him. And so, you know, like I pointed out before about the Talmud, you know, and the Jewish teachers who say horrible things about Jesus, but one thing they can't deny is his power. <laughs> and it's really, it really is remarkable. And it's, it's judgment on those who, who won't believe it, but it really should confirm us who are wise, who have been given the wisdom of the Spirit through faith in Christ. And, of course, I'm always reminded of the crucifixion when Jesus said, forgive them. They don't know mm-hmm. what they're doing. That's right. And we learn to do that with with our enemies. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, and that's one way no I know. That's one yeah. way I know that he still loves yeah. me. That's right. Absolutely. And that's where it all comes back. And that's what I would say. I mean, you know your your relative better than, than I do, obviously. And, uh, like I said, you know, you, you're, you're, I'm sure speak responding in the wisdom of, you know, of, of what you know. Um, but that, that is the reason that you know that, 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 that nothing has kept you away from God because God has, you know, Christ has pleaded for you from the very cross. Um, and therefore continues to plead for you. Um, at the throne of God. And that's that's really what it's all about. 
It is. It really is. And I just wish I could make my relatives see that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's. I, I was listening to um, a uh, uh, a Facebook posting today. Uh, uh, there's a. Uh, uh, Follows a commentator uh, and comedian by the name of Stephen Crowder. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Yeah, I I watch him quite a bit. Yeah, and he did a thing this morning uh, about the uh, that horrible shooting in uh, in New Zealand. Yeah, I watched that. And yeah. he, and he will he said you know people you know he, and he he freely admits he's a Christian. No ifs ands mm-hmm. or buts. And he prays daily. And he said one of my one of his detractors uh, said well. Do you pray for Muslims? And he said, absolutely. I pray, I pray for them every day. And that's what we as Christians do. I know I do. I, I pray for unbelievers every day. Pray that they come to see the message mm-hmm. and, and to believe. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. That's what we we pray for it every Sunday in the, in the in the prayer of the church, right? We pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. And we pray for the enemies of the church that they would repent. And uh, you know, when things like this happen, it's just—I think—I mean, as Christians, we see a different perspective in all of it because it's not merely a time to give accolades; it's a time to humble ourselves before God. You know, when a man takes, when a man uh, um, murders people. Um, He's, uh, you know, he's he's blaspheming God, and that's where, uh, you know, like Moses when he, when 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 the people of Korah, you know, the were 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 opposing him. What did he do? He fell down on his face because he was because he was fearing God. And I think that's how we we respond to wicked things like this. Um, is we say, "Wow, God, have mercy on us," and and then, you know that humility. Um, and I did see that. I, I didn't watch the whole thing. Um, he was smoking a cigar. I thought that was uh, yeah. Cool. I caught that. that in the morning. Smoked cigars. Well, you know, uh, like, uh, I do that once in a while too. But but he he showed he showed humility in the way he talked um, about the whole thing. Um, and I appreciate that. I think that's how we should address any type of uh, uh, heinous act. I agree. And also, I should remind you that uh, President Harrison is a cigar smoker. Yeah, I, I have smoked cigars with him. Actually, <laughs> actually last uh, last summer, um, I was up at the lake, and he he decided to start coming up to the lake too. I guess it's kind of the cool thing to do for Senate president. <laughs> and uh, he, uh, but yeah, he brought me a cigar. Yeah, and uh, so he. He can be very generous sometimes. Uh, <laughs> That's what I've heard. I try to avoid cigars. I was badly addicted to tobacco at one time, and I went through the oh. agonies of the damn to kick that habit. So I, oh, I try boy. to avoid it. Yeah, I have a love affair with tobacco. Unfortunately, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> well, we're we're out of time, Pastor Price. I want to thank you for joining us at the last minute here and give my best to your brother and for the recovery of his little boy. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, thank you. You've been listening to The Pastor Is In, a weekly chance to chat with a pastor 
Your support is vital for this program to continue. To learn about giving opportunities, call Mary at 314-996-1518. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting. The pastor is in on Worldwide KFUO.